friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In Season 2, Episode 21, Sasha continues her discussion of her new book, Between Grit and Grace. She discusses the truth that women are often everything to everyone, yet nothing to themselves. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brave Enough Show. It's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. And I'm really excited that you have tuned in. If you're just listening and you've never listened to the show, welcome. I'm a cardiac anesthesiologist. I'm a professor. I'm a founder and company of my company, Brave Enough, which teaches women how to invest in themselves. And I also am a mom. I'm a wife. I'm many things. I'm a girlfriend. (laughs) I love hanging out with my friends. Um, And I do this podcast because I lead a group of women online of several thousand that I just hear their stories and hear their struggles every day. And I just really feel led to encourage women to invest in themselves. And so I'm super excited today because I'm going to be talking about a chapter in my new book, Between Grit and Grace, which talks about exactly this. But first, I want to encourage you, if you are a woman and you are looking for something to attend in the fall that is inspiring, that is a weekend getaway with a girlfriend, come to my conference, the Brave Enough Conference. It is going to be amazing. It's going to be held in Scottsdale. This is the fourth one I'm putting on, and it's going to be unlike any conference you've ever intended, attended. We go internal really quick and we get real and we talk about topics that you aren't going to find at another event. We talk about what it's like to live with imposter syndrome. We talk about how gender bias affects us in the workplace. We talk about our work-life balance and what is that? Does that exist? We talk about how to take care of ourselves. We talk about the stress that we feel at home. Um, we talk about relationships. We talk about the most important relationship, with it, which is with yourself. And we talk about the power of forgiveness and the power of friendship. And we also do things like go to the spa. <laughs> And we have super fun events and we just do all the things that actually we don't get to do as women because so often we are taking care of everyone and everybody but ourselves. So I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. I want you to know you belong at this event. This event is specifically for you. So if you are interested, go to braveenoughconference.com and check it out. You can read testimonies. You can see what the topics are about. We have some amazing speakers and we really pour into you. And and the entire weekend is all about you from the minute you check in. So I want to invite you personally to attend the Brave Enough Conference. If you've never gone, I'm telling you, you're going to leave inspired and you're going to leave rested and you're going to leave a better you. So today we're talking about the fourth chapter in my book. I hope if you've been listening that you are enjoying these little mini sessions, these teaching sessions on the book. If you are, please go online and tell me or send me an email or post about it on social media or send the book to a friend or pass it along. Uh, the book really has, is it's, it's a way to go through it. There's a path through the book. And I have put exercises specifically through each chapter because I want you to go deep. I want you to stop and not just read the book in one sitting, but actually 
pause and think about your own life because the book is really about you. It's not about me. It's about you. And that's what, how I created it, how I wrote it. And I hope that you find it really encouraging to yourself and whatever you are going through in life. Chapter four, I wrote because I came to a point in my life about five years ago where I realized that I was, had become a martyr (laughs) and I really liked this martyrdom. You know, I kind of wore it like it was a sparkly dress or it was a coat of honor. And the truth is there's really no honor in it. But we as a society, we exemplify women who are martyrs. You know, the women who do everything for everyone. They're always there when you call on them and they just pour themselves into this person. They're the best mother. They're the best friend. They're the best coworker. We just, we idolize this. But the the truth is that it it ends up being an ego builder, believe it or not, when you live your life for other people, when you strive and you want to be liked so much that you never say no, it becomes an ego builder and you become kind of addicted to it. And you, and it's a hard thing to realize about yourself, but I want to encourage you to read this chapter in the book with open eyes and just really investigate how, or does this play a relate a relationship in your own life in how you say no and how you set boundaries. I open up the book, um, with a story about, um, the real you and how you live your life or you can live your life to please everyone else. But I want to take a moment and read from the book. In this part of the book, I'm talking about this internal conflict about how we have to please everyone and we're constantly trying to please everyone. And we often get angry at other people when they put things on our plate. But the truth is, it really has more to do with us. That may not be the best thing to tell you. You may be listening and you're like, wait a minute, this is my fault. This isn't my fault that this person needs me and this person needs me. Think about it from a different perspective as you listen right here. At some point, we women come to the realization that walking the tightrope to be just enough for everyone is not working. When we hear that other women have experienced similar situations, we often recognize how much backlash we're facing in our own lives. We also realize how tired we are of trying to be everything to everyone and still coming up short. But here's the most important revelation that so many women miss. We don't want to stop being everything to everyone. We may think we do, but we don't. Before you think I've lost it, stay with me for a minute. I believe the reason most women continue to accept poor work environments, overcommit to everyone else, and refuse to stop placating others is because it's too tiring not to. We are exhausted. We are completely 100% bone dry, burned out. We are empty. And it is easier to stay on the treadmill of pleasing others than to face our own internal truths. So we have an hour to ourselves We self-soothe by binging out on Netflix or scrolling social media. We don't dare go inward thinking about our authentic self, thinking about all the things we want to do, but we can't because we are overcommitted is simply exhausting. Thinking about our passions or our new hobby. Are you kidding me? No way. We're too tired. Thoughts of being bold enough to try a new type of leadership, blaze a new trail and lead as a woman. Nope. Too much pushback, too much friction. Instead, we drink wine and yoga pants, answering emails at nine o'clock at night and wondering how much more work we have to get done before we can crash into bed. And please, God, don't let there be a toddler there. Wait, am I lying next to a goldfish cracker? (laughs) So I describe this because I think it's really important to understand that 
I think sometimes we think about our lives and we think about something we want to change. Maybe we want to set a new boundary at work. Maybe we want to be more present with our kids in the evening. So we make these rules for ourselves. Oh, I'm going to stop watching Netflix or I'm going to stop scrolling social media or I'm going to stop answering emails or whatever it is. If I was just strong enough, I would be able to have balance. It's just me. I'm, it's my, I'm the problem. But what we don't realize is that you cannot set boundaries and you cannot actually live the life you want to live when you're exhausted. So the first thing you actually have to do is to do nothing. <laughs> and this is so counterintuitive because most people who are burned out and exhausted are overcommitted and have to-do lists that are a mile long. And the last thing they want to hear from me or anyone else or any self-help book is do nothing. But clarity does not come to us in our minds when we are exhausted. You, you, your brain cannot process to even understand what you have overcommitted to when you are in a place of deep exhaustion. Your brain is doing everything it can to protect the little amount of emotional energy you have left. And so it's just going to shut down and it's going to say, no way. You have an hour to yourself, scroll on social media. It's mind numbing, it's brainless, and it doesn't require any effort. So your brain is going to actually lead you to do things that are counterproductive to what you really need, which is to withdraw to solitude. And I keep talking about solitude, but it is so important. It is not isolation. So many times when we have, when we're overwhelmed and we have an hour in our day that pops open, the last thing we want to do is go internal and have solitude because we'd rather scroll social media because we don't want to face how overwhelmed we are. But that's actually exactly what you need to do. So when people come to me and they're like, I'm so exhausted. I need your coaching services. I need a class. I don't know. How, I, I, I can't even breathe. I say, do nothing for three days. And they look at me like I've just smacked them. They're like, that is, I, there's no way I can do. Oh, I can't do that. I have this. I have this. I have my kids. I have, I have this work project. I have this. I have to take call. I have to cover this. I have to do. And I say, stop. Actually, you are in charge of you. If you have gotten to the point in your life where you are so overwhelmed that you're about ready to have a breakdown, you have no other option but to pause and pivot, pull back and pause and not withdraw, but it's called solitude and rest. And in that space, which may take you a week, you, the fog will start to lift because when you rest your brain, you rest your body. And when you rest your body, you start to, your brain feels better and you start to see where you went wrong, what you have overcommitted to, where, what areas in your life you have no boundaries. All of a sudden, I mean, how many times do you go on vacation or you withdraw from work and you start eating better? Food actually tastes better. Have you ever been there? Do you know why that is? Because your brain is rested. You're like, oh, I actually like this healthy food. Oh, I'm actually not craving the junk food. I'm not craving the sugar hit. I'm not craving uh, mindless social media. I'm not craving Netflix and wine. I'm not craving an escape because guess what? You're rested. So if you actually want to move out of the space and set boundaries and set rules for yourself to actually give yourself a life of health and well-being and authenticity, 
the first thing you have to do is withdraw. And it's really hard when you've positioned yourself to be everything to everyone because it feeds your ego. It drains your brain, but it feeds your ego. So the first step is to pause, (laughs) withdraw and rest and really have solitude. And what that does is you go, oh, wait a minute. I'm actually doing X and I don't even like X. I don't want to do X. I need to drop that. Now I need to figure out how I have those conversations and how I set those boundaries. This is what I do in the masterclass. This is what I teach women to do. Oh, guess what? I actually like this area of my life. I I don't ever get to do it because I don't make time to do it because I don't invest in myself because I give away my time to others. But see, you have to be in a space where you can have clarity and you, your brain does not have clarity when it's tired. It's in protection mode. It's on the red alert. Okay. It's like when you have your iPhone on and it gets down to 10% battery and it says, do you want to go to low energy mode? And you say yes. And everything's a little dimmer. That's your brain when you're exhausted and burned out. So you, you actually have to get better first. You have to rest and do nothing, have solitude before you can come out of that space and go, Oh, these are the changes I need to make. So what, what do we do? We actually escape from our lives and then we go right back into it and we never take the time to actually rest and then implement changes. We just go, Oh, now we're rested. Now we're going back to work. Now we're going back to our psycho life and our crazy kids and everything that we have to do that we cannot actually like put boundaries around. Okay. So this is what the book talks about. It talks about how if you are overwhelmed and burned out and exhausted, exhausted, and you wanna give up, it's probably because you are being everything to everyone and no one to yourself. So let's read a little bit more from the book. What was really happening was an intentional giving away of myself, like treat bags at a child's party with each job, each task, each overcommitment, I gave away my time. Afterward, I saw a little more time for myself disappear and piece by piece, someone would take it. The more I committed myself to others, the more comfortable I became operating with less of my own identity. Busy became comfortable, a way to numb and avoid any thought of going inside and dealing with my authentic self, which was starving. And then a really dangerous thing started happening. My overcommitment became my shining star, a bright jewel I polished with with each added task. I don't know how you do everything you do, women would say. Ask Shulkut, she'll get it done, colleagues would say. I can do that, I would respond as I polished my magnificent halo of overcommitment and follow through. I'm a follow througher. No one else can do this but me, I would whisper to myself. My ego puffed up. I felt accepted. I felt valued. I felt important. I felt seen. I was doing a good job following the manual. I was compliant and efficient and standing in the shadows where it was safe. I can see now that the only time I ever felt truly valued was when I received positive feedback for the task I completed while being 100% overcommitted. I felt important when I delivered above and beyond what was necessary, doing projects I often lacked the inspiration to do. That, my sister, is called sadness. It's also an epidemic. It's actually kind of hard for me to read because it still makes me sad the years of my life that I, you know, just lingered in that place of overcommitment and being just a shell of a person. It's, it's really hard for me to think back to those years because I think that I was not there for my kids. I was, I think I was 
not always the best work colleague because I was constantly stressed. But most importantly, it makes me sad to myself because I think I lost a lot of joy and creativity those years. And that's why I've written this book. Um, Because then in the chapter, there's hope and I give you the steps back to you. And I go through each step that I took to get back to myself. And I give you exercises checking in with yourself on how to go through those steps. And I do that because I see and hear from women every single day in my life that feel completely overwhelmed, exhausted, working themselves to a bone, and yet still not enough. And it makes me sad because I know that feeling. I've been there. I've been in that space of feeling like I'm doing everything I can for my family, my job, my, my colleagues, my community, and yet it's still not enough. How is that possible? Maybe you're listening and that's you, and maybe you're feeling beat up, and maybe you're feeling totally overwhelmed. I want to encourage you to purchase Between Grit and Grace. If you're feeling connected to this book and what I've talked about today, you're going to really like and enjoy the internal reflections and the exercises. And I want to give you hope that you don't have to stay in that space. You are enough. And when you move out of that space, you're going to see it because you're going to be rested with clarity. But right now you're operating at 10%. And so everything's a little dimmer and you're in energy storage mode. You're okay. Every one of us has been there, but there's hope for you. The the steps, the path back to you are in this book. I hope that you've enjoyed today. And now we're going to move on to my favorite thing. So we can end on a little fun note of what something is that I use on an everyday basis. I'm constantly getting asked to share my favorite things. So I'm putting them at the end of these episodes. So my pick of the week is actually from Sephora. It's the HYA Brightening Eye Cream. It is, I mean, I I don't know about you, but you know, medicine has given me wrinkles so medicine can take them away. (laughs) I'm aging, I'm aging gracefully with my skincare line that I will openly admit I use every day. But one of these things is the Sephora brightening eye cream because it's little. So you can put it in your purse, you can put it in a travel bag. It's very inexpensive. I think it's under $15. And I know there's a million eye products out there. And this is one that I have found that I like for on the go. And I actually use it like I mix it with some under eye um, moisturizer or some under eye tinted moisturizer because it's not super oily. So it doesn't smear my mascara. I just use a little tiny dab of it. I feel like my eyes are always dry, um, especially when I travel. So I have this in my purse and I just put it on when I'm getting on the airplane. It's just a good little moisturizer for around your eyes and it's cheap. And you know, you can't use, if you're listening and you don't know this, you cannot use all cream for your face around your eyes. You shouldn't actually, there's only certain things you should use around the skin of your eyes. So this is a good one to have because you can buy a couple of them and have like one in your car or one in your purse or one in your work bag or one in your desk or whatever. But I use it all the time, especially in the winter and and when it's dry. And especially when I travel, because you can just do a little tiny dab under each eye and it feels really moisturizing and good. 
and keeps your eyes bright. So that is my little pick of the week and I will make sure to put it in the show notes. Um, Thank you for listening. And as always, sister, live brave. This has been an HSG production. 